Hi, I'm Candy Allison, and this is my horror podcast, The House That Screams. <laughs> I have my usual panel of wonderful guests. I have Cameron Sullivan. How are you? Set your crank to Frank, motherfucker. <laughs> I have Rob Antiquera. Hello. I have Sean Smith. Good evening. And I have Daniel Nightmare Nerd Ryan. Greetings, horror fanatics. In tonight's episode, we will be talking about obscure and or cult films in the horror category, of course. My favorite. Warning. Yes. These are the movies that all the viewers the hate. In the and we have to tell them that they are stupid and they should enjoy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's just a movie. I should really just relax. Oh, dun dun. <laughs> <laughs> We're going to start out with Rob Antiquera. Yes. Hey. Okay, um, I've been going back and forth for a while which one I should lead off with, and uh, I've had a quite a few choices. And um, this one might seem a bit controversial because, it, I mean, it's known, but it, I, I feel like it's not as known as it should be. You know what I'm saying? Like, it's, it's, it, it, go, it remains unwatched even by, like, the director's biggest fans. <laughs> which is, which is crazy. I think that, um, you know, he's such a legendary director and, you know, a lot of people still haven't seen this. And um, that will be uh, George A. Romero's 1977 film, Martin. Oh, Woo! good choice. <laughs> and let me tell you, I love Martin. Sad movie. It's, it's, yes, yes. Martin is a fantastic little movie where um, it was made in that weird period in Romero's career that was between night and dawn, where like he was making movies like uh, There's Always Vanilla and Season of the Witch. And, you know, there was uh, uh, The Crazies and then Martin and then finally Dawn of the Dead, which, of course, you know, took him into the, the, the next chapter in his career where he was rightfully come to be known as the horror master that he is. But um, yeah, Martin, that was a decade long period of time. Yeah. Yeah. Like <laughs> where he was just like, he was making like these weird films. Like there's always vanilla is, is just a weird picture. <laughs> but, um, and that's third, he, uh, he, I can't remember her name. Um, she played Judy in yes. Night Living Dead. Yes. I can't remember yeah, her name at the moment. Was, uh, uh, she was a receptionist for Carl Hardman. That's how she uh, she got into Night of the Living Dead as well as um, There's Always Vanilla. But um, Martin is also instrumental in that. It's, it was the first collaboration between George and um, Tom Savini. Yes. Yeah. You know, the the, the, the first yeah, part of their, their, their legendary, you know, partnership. You know, the bromance, I, I call it. Yeah, as well as um, <laughs> as well as the first time that uh, Michael Gornick was credited as the director of photography on one of George's movies. As you know, Michael Gornick was a uh, director of photography on most of George's movies for like the the seventies and eighties, um, particularly like Dawn and Day. And um, what impresses me about Martin is that I try I try not to going to spoilers because I know a lot of people haven't seen it, but I want people to see it. So I'll try to be as, you know, thorough but vague as possible. Uh, Martin, of course, stars John Amplis as the titular character Martin, who is in his mind an 84-year-old vampire 
with no fangs. He, he has no, you know, uh, correspondence to sunlight. Sunlight doesn't bother him. He's basically a regular person, but he believes he's, he's, he's this 84-year-old vampire. It's, it's really almost like a character study with, with him, like a, a summer in the life of this crazy guy who thinks he's a vampire. I'm, I, for one, am a big fan of these kind of movies. It, it kind of reminds me of a Henry portrait of a serial killer and this depiction of, like, you know, the everyday Fair. life. It, it's just, like, I, I find that the, the, the best compliment you can give George Romero is that he's a, a blue-collar filmmaker. And yeah. that, uh, like, the way he puts together his movies, you know what I'm saying? He puts together, like, he, you could tell he came from that kind of style of filmmaking, like, let's make a movie, you know, let's put on a show kind of thing. And let's that cast is, theater actors. And yeah, right. And uh, that, that is perfectly communicated with uh, Martin, especially in his casting of John Amplis. Like, I know John Amplis is probably best known as... Uh, the, the zombie dad in a creep show. I want oh, my cake. <laughs> right, but um, I I'll always know him as Martin. I remember um, my bu- I have a buddy uh Nico Nico Nice who uh, he had a, a podcast. He he he's got a new podcast coming out called Horror Pop Radio. But uh, he had one previously, and he interviewed John Amplis, and he he said, "Oh, look who I'm interviewing." And my first thought was like, "Holy shit, it's Martin." And, and I was so happy about that, you know what I'm saying? Uh, John Amplis is great in the movie as well as um, the, you also have uh, an appearance by Christine Forrest, who will go on to be known as Christine Romero, Ford, George's yeah. wife in three years. Uh, Tom Savini appears in it as her, as her boyfriend. What woman wouldn't want him? Right. Absolutely. I mean, George, yeah. George actually... Re- appears in the movie himself as a as a priest who's who's kind of like condescending like he probably he, he, had a, gleeful it, delight in doing that yeah like it, 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 like he's he's invited over the, he's invited over for dinner by um so all right let me get to a plot a little bit uh, of course uh john Amplis plays the title character uh martin who believes he's an 84 year old vampire and he's staying with his older cousin kuda in uh, uh, Braddock, Pennsylvania, you know, which is this little desolate area, and they work. He's working in this meat shop, and Kuda has him working for him. But he he believes thoroughly that uh, Martin is this vampire, and he's like, "You you will come, you will stay, you will work for me, but you're a vampire, and I will destroy you." <laughs> like, which is you know, fine beginning to their working relationship. So like, and and that's really the setup right there. And Martin, he's he's really. Even though he believes he's a vampire himself, he's really just like kind of brushes off the the whole kind of like the the legend of the the vampire. You know, the, he he makes fun of Kuda when Kuda tries to hang garlic upside uh, upside outside his door, and uh, he keeps holding crosses at Martin, and Martin laughs it off. You know, and it's it's a it's a it's a just a great like kind of dynamic that the movie is based on the, the relationship between these two. And uh, George comes in because George plays a priest and he invites George as the priest to come over and like trying to, you know, prove that uh, Martin is evil. And, and George as the priest is just like, I don't give a shit. <laughs> as, he says, maybe, as he says, and he smokes a cigarette, you know. I don't. Yeah, yeah whatever, shit. you know. 
But uh, like it's it's a it's a little it's a real fantastic movie, and, and it's a shame that not many people have seen it. I, I know that's partially due to uh, producer it was Richard Rubin. Availability was low. It, it's kind of like a hard one to track down. It may be easier now, but yes. um, there for a while I could not find it. Right. Um, a, a, that has a lot to do with Richard Rubenstein, who was you know George's producing partner for a while. And um, he owns the rights to Martin as well as a lot of other of George's movies. And he charges just insane prices to license them for release on, you know, video. So, you know, this is why, like, you, you see, like, a lot of George's movies get released, you know, you know, big releases. And then that's it. They disappear because nobody yeah. wants to pay the money to pay a, a second printing fee. And uh, and no one will call that, him out on his bullshit. Just say, "Hey, man, fuck you." Right? <laughs> Who do you think um, you are only, like, holding someone's work hostage? Like, it was only like two releases for Martin: one on Anchor Bay, and then another one on, I believe, Lionsgate, and then that was it. You wow. know, so it's it, it's it's not you know saying you can't blame anybody for for having really seen it, which is a shame, but. It, it it really is a shame that no one is able to watch well, Martin as as it is. If it was more a- readily available, I think just because it was Romero film, people would you know want to see it. And to right. be fair, it is true that a lot of people will instantly just see a movie by someone and be like, "Oh my god, they're the best filmmaker ever." I'm like, "Well, hold on, you know, <laughs> let's actually study the most of their resume before you say that." <laughs> <laughs> and Romero right, right. is well learned. Well, hey, Wes Craven made porn, you know. Yeah, that, yeah. That's true. That that is. That and his are, first couple of films were really abysmal. Yeah, or, or that, straight up copies very... of other work. It wasn't until Nightmare on Elm Street that he really established himself as like somebody to be reckoned with. You know. Right. Although, although to give credit, um, Last House on the Left, his first, his his first real movie has its moments. I mean, a lot of it is just, like, shoddily made, you know what I'm saying? And it's obvious this was made by a former porn And filmmaker. overly long, and yeah. I mean, there were some but, shocking like, scenes, but I mean, it's still just, there was all this hype about it. I finally got my hands on a copy in my teen years and watched it, and I was like, what the fuck was the buzz about? I don't know. The, the climax, though, the, the climax, though, was a grabber. When, yeah, uh, but it only took two and a half hours to get there. Right. Well, and to be it, fair, it, really it doesn't help that, you know, the reviewers will be very vague in the reviews. So you're just like, uh, I know I have to see this because I like this person, but I, I still I, I got nothing from that review. I don't know why it, it's a must see. Yeah, I just knew that there was buzz about it. It was his first film. It was considered a cult <laughs> classic. And I watched it and I was like, wow, I could have gone the rest of my life and not watched that. That was OK. <laughs> that was not yeah. that great. Yeah, I, yeah. You know, coming from Nightmare on Elm Street and going back and watching other stuff is, like, <laughs> mm, I don't know. <laughs> He's had an up and down career. I, I definitely think uh, my soul to take was a terrible way to go out. And just like, yeah. eh, that's not a good movie anyone would be proud of. <laughs> yeah, I, I mean, I love. But at life, the same time, I, I can't, I can't help but agree with you there. To be yeah. fair, I think. <laughs> I think the studio just took it away from him, but we'll never know the story. Yeah. He's long gone. Yeah, I think that was the big issue was that it was taken away from him, as well as cursed. Because he never talked about it, so it was just like, okay. 
Oh. I'd be silent too if I wanted to keep working, but fucking hated those guys. <laughs> yeah. All right. Um, I just as to like adding a period to the end of that sentence. I just wanted to say, you know, I think I I actually haven't seen Martin because they couldn't track it down, but yeah. I have seen clips. And you can find I it on YouTube. Com- I, I yeah, I believe there's a copy of it on YouTube. Oh, okay. Well, that's and, um, added. Um, but I. I like how it's a different, I am familiar with the story and everything that goes along with it. Just doing random research, which I tend to do, but I like how it's a different take on the vampire mythos or story, you know? Yes. Yes. I, I, Very there, different. There's, there's a particular point where, when uh, Martin tracks down his, his victims, which are female and um, you know, that the old vampire adage where they, you have like, like the the vampire will see a female and it's always like a reincarnation of his long lost love yeah. like right. had that, you know in Dracula and Fright Night and Martin kind of has the same thing but it's it's almost like a fantasy in his head where like he imagines every female that he 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 picks as his like his next victim is like his, a long lost love and you always get these these nifty little flashback sequences in black and white where like you know this is Martin in like ancient times or whatever, where like, you know, he's, you know, he sees his, this woman as his long lost love, but it's just some lady he's fantasizing about. And uh, that's, that's like, you know, that play on the vampire legend, you know, but it's playfully done. And there's one instance of that where it leads to probably the best sequence in the movie, which is a home invasion sequence, where it's just, it's like the ultimate, like hilarious game of tag. Well, Martin plays for like for his for his prey in the house, and uh, it's it's a really fun. I won't I won't say no more than that, but it's it's really a fantastic sequence, and uh, hopefully, like you know, what I'm saying you know by me saying we we could all get to see the movie soon because uh, I can't say enough good things about Martin. Martin is so fantastic. And well, I now that so I much. know where I can find it, I will be watching it. Well, yes, how yes. would you say the psychological? moments of it compared to his other work like bruiser and monkey shines and even season of the witch i i like it because like you know it's it's done where it's like you know like i like i said martin he he believes he's this vampire but he completely just dismissive of the magic aspect of it you know he just thinks he's Mm -hmm. this vampire but he knows he doesn't have fangs and he needs razor blades in order to you know to, to extract the blood from from the victims, but uh, his older cousin Kuda, you know, believes in it thoroughly, and you know, so you have this interest is like battle between them psychologically, where it's like, you know, he's like I said, like you know, he's constantly throwing crosses in his face, and he's hanging garlic outside his door, and he was like, there's no magic in it at all, you know. There's a fantastic scene where he scares him and he dresses up as a vampire and Coot is like, no, get away. He's like, it's just a costume. Like, what's the matter with you? And <laughs> I, I love those, I, I love those, like those, those moments, you know what I'm saying? Because it's basically just this, this kind of battle between Martin and Kuda. And it's just like, you realize it's not just Martin, they're both fucking insane. They're both crazy because they like both it. believe this. Yeah, they both believe this that they're, you know, Martin is this vampire, but they just, it's on opposite sides of the spectrum. And, like, that's probably my favorite aspect of it, as well as, like, you know, the way it just follows Martin 
on the on like on his everyday life, you know, as he's dealing with uh, you know, I definitely women. can't see any other performer in this. That that was very well casted. Oh, with Amplis? Yes. And yeah. and the, the crazy thing about it was that this is this is the beauty of Romero because Romero had written Martin to be like an older guy. Like this oh. older, like, you know, Jeez. very much older guy. And he saw he saw Amplis in a play. And he was like, you know what? I, I want this guy to play Martin. And he rewrote it for Martin to be a younger guy. And he cast John Amplis. It was absolutely pitch perfect genius casting because, you know, Amplis is Martin to me forever. Even when he's in Dawn of the Dead as Rodrigo, the Puerto Rican, which is hilarious that the, you have John Amplis playing a Puerto Rican. Like, yeah, oh, look, it's Martin. <laughs> it's I'm Martin playing those, the Puerto Rican. Uh, those directors with like a stable of, you know, people that he would put in his movies, you know. Right, right. And like, you know, like people he reused all the time because he trusted them. Like Savini and Michael Gornick and Amplis. Amplis turned up in like a shitload of um, Romero's movies. I remember him vividly getting his brains blown out in Day of the Dead. (laughs) And even Joe Pilato could be considered in that because he, and it's in the director's cut of Dawn of the Dead, which I have, but he is there um, in a scene that got cut out of the theatrical version. But then, you know, he, of course, is Rhodes in Day of the Dead. Right. Man, he just killed that. Oh, Oh, yeah. Masterful. There are not a, there are not enough words to, to to convey how amazing Joe Pilato is in Day of the Dead. That performance is one for the ages. Oh, the, yeah, he just makes that movie. Oh, he absolutely okay. does. A rarity. Okay, so we are gonna go on to Daniel <laughs> Nightmare Nerd Rain with his pick. Okay, I'm pulling an infamous one out here. No, Black Devil Doll from Hell. What the fuck? Uh, what? <laughs> oh, you I have to see. educate me. You guys. Can't wait. Yes. To yes. Yes. What is this? Right, this <laughs> what is this, this movie? Is, um, <laughs> Show yourself, a, movie. <laughs> it's an early '80s black exploitation uh, horror film, quasi porno. <laughs> uh, <laughs> if you couldn't tell by the title, that essentially it's about a uh, like a Chucky scenario, a possessed doll <laughs> that. Comes to life and has a lot of sex with its uh, victim. And the the thing about, you know, the cinema snob did an episode about this on his YouTube channel (laughs) early on. He summed it up perfectly. This is the kind of thing (laughs) that a porn store owner keeps hidden under the counter because he's afraid he'll be judged negatively. (laughs) (laughs) It's got to be under the counter and capiche, capiche. And, and the thing for me is not even the utterly absurd uh, plot there. If you or actually look up clips on YouTube, this thing was blatantly <laughs> shot with a Casio home camcorder. Oh, the type of no. took to my school no. recital, you know? No, 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 no. This is and, no. Oh, <laughs> and, and, and it gets, oh, it gets better still. Uh, the music. That, that's oh. a Casio electric keyboard. <laughs> <laughs> and and yeah. actually, I... I recall reading, I forget where, that the soundtrack for this actually was recorded off a, a sample keyboard in a Toys R Us. 
What the fuck? <laughs> oh my god, this is uh, just getting better and better and worse and worse. Oh, oh, it gets even better still because. Um, oh, yeah. Why are you doing this to us? <laughs> uh, the only thing that makes it feature length is the fact that the opening credits are like six minutes long. <laughs> and, and at several points th throughout this uh, piece of crap, you can actually see the VHS blue screen of death pop up. Oh my what? god! Oh my uh, god! But uh, but by, I haven't by, seen it. But fuck and, this and, movie um, already. Oh, oh yeah, let's not forget that there are several shots where it's very blatantly a little kid wearing the doll's clothes. <laughs> uh -oh. <laughs> it's having sex. Well, not in those scenes, thank goodness. Okay, but in I scenes, not good lord. Yeah, in, what, in who encouraged you to watch this shit fest? In, in, in the scenes where it's sneaking up on people, you can tell it's a little kid wearing the clothes, and they're just filming it from uh, behind. Phrasing, <laughs> <laughs> I know, but um, wow. But, um, but by far the most infamous moment of this, and again, Cinema Snob points it out, and it, you can find it on YouTube readily. Is the doll? After a all night orgy with its victim, <laughs> is uh, tr tr try trying to wake her up, and stands alongside the bed, going, "Bitch, bitch, wake up, bitch, wake up, bitch, bitch, wake up, bitch." <laughs> oh my god! God. So, what uh, encouraged you to watch this movie? Oh, uh, literally, I, I stumbled across a clip of it on YouTube uh, years ago. And something about it just made me say, all right, this this is one of those that I'm probably going to regret it, but I'm going to look it up. And uh, <laughs> would, would you would you believe that VHS copies this thing from the 80s actually fetch a very hefty price on eBay? Oh, my God. Well, they, if it's they that are infamous and kind of has a cult following. Absolutely. It's, it's essentially a very rare collector's item. This is worse than that movie where vacuum cleaners are having sex with people that Kevin Murphy mentioned. <laughs> uh, Someone wanted them to do my, that movie. My home area a while back, by the way. Oh God! I won't go into detail for that, but the, and yeah. um, let, let me just tell you though, d during the scenes, the doll getting it on with its uh, polishing its wood <laughs> with its victim, I, I just sat there thinking to myself, but what about splinters? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and um, let, let me yeah. See, if, I, if I recall correctly, it's been a while since I watched this. Uh, obviously, wonder why. Um, <laughs> the the doll yeah, gets I... its victim hooked on sex. She be at the start. What? She's at the start. She's a uh, a proper church going lady who saved herself from marriage. But after an all night uh, case of wood. Um, <laughs> 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 and she, she, she goes out she goes out picking up random men because the doll vanished it ran away from her oh, I need but a they can't man. satisfy her so she goes back to the store where she got the doll and lo and behold it's still there Christ and um, let me just tell you this scene actually gave me a headache when I watched it because I bet the, the store owner is warning her about oh but I've sold this doll so many times before it always comes back here and do you know what they did uh, no. They use the night vision setting. What the fuck? And a, a sound effect that drowns out most of the dialogue. So while the store owner's talking, all you hear is that. <laughs> <laughs> so between so, so between between the visual and that, I am amazed I didn't go into epileptic shock. <laughs> <laughs> <God>. <laughs> 
I feel like you've uh, already won the contest. I feel if like I've seen this movie. Online. I should just raise my hands in victory right now. I feel right, like guys. I've seen this movie I mean, just I mean, by I, you. I, I, I may not be able to go on and on about this like like uh, Martin, but let me tell you, in terms of uh, cult films, this one, um, I would rate that cult worse than Scientology. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> But I gotta say, I'm curious now. But it is is it gonna be gonna be like one of those things? Like I see a clip and it's like seven days. Oh god! Um, yeah. Well, if, you, if you'll allow me to pat myself on the back, I'm gonna quote what I said in my weekend review of a uh, Corona Zombies. You know, if you are uh, morbid, if you are morbidly curious, go ahead and look it up. It's not yeah, gonna I'm, make you happy, but go ahead. <laughs> I'm good. I've seen the best of Charles Band and the worst. I don't. I don't need any more. <laughs> Black Devil Doll from Hell. That is my first uh, suggestion for our... Holy fucking shit. That title alone just screams at you, doesn't it? No. (laughs) I am not a betting lady, but I will bet money that Cameron's going to look this up. No. he may lie about it. He's going to look it up. I'm not going to look it up. Why would I look it up? I've seen all the best. Oh, and uh, as I sit here just checking, by the way, a copy of Black Devil Doll from Hell is held in the Yale University Library Archives. What? Fuck this movie. No, oh watch it. Oh, my God. Strictly for research. The doll already did. No. <laughs> uh, good cry. I, I don't even know what to say to that. Yeah, I can't. How, so, can we get... uh, h- how about, like, <laughs> I... <laughs> I don't even know how I fuck feel right movie. now. <laughs> go, go ahead and look up clips if you want. I no, mean, fuck you, this you'll movie. be torn on whether to laugh or cry. <laughs> no, I'm good. I've seen all the best. So <laughs> now you're ready for the rest. <laughs> no, well, after thought, that, I don't really I thought know we were we supposed can... to give good cult movies, not bad ones. <laughs> hey, we didn't specify good or bad. Uh, okay, was, well. To uh, be uh, fair. To be so fair, bad cult really movies can still be entertaining. So, I don't know. Whatever. <laughs> All right, um, Karen, what do you got? I got two. Which one do you want to hear first? Um, one. Oh, that's hard. <laughs> no honorable mentions? Um, maybe after. Okay. Yeah, f- fuck it. Okay. Has anyone heard of 1998's uh, Strangeland? Yes. yes. I yes. remember watching yes. it. Yes. Okay, I, I didn't watch this for the longest time. It was always on IFC at a time when I just couldn't record it or whatever. And I don't know. It just had that. It had a 6% on Rotten Tomatoes, and I didn't go by Rotten Tomatoes, but I was like, hmm, I'm not sure if this movie's going to scar me or bore me or just be fucking horseshit like they're saying it is. So, finally saw it, it the other day. It was of boring, and uh, it was boring. I think it, I think it plays it too safe, yeah. but I like the premise, so it's I don't... It's kind of like a time capsule piece, because... Um, it was early, early internet kind of situations where it was easy to fall prey to stuff like that. Um, whereas there's a lot of safeguards in place. There's more safeguards in place now. Um, that is very much true. I don't. I and, like that it, it doesn't villainize the internet, but at the same time, it doesn't it, it, it doesn't paint it in a good light either. So it's just like right, it's right. in between curve. It's not telling you what to think. It goes pretty fast. But at the same time, like I say, there are a lot of moments where it's like, eh, I'm not feeling it. I'm not really too intrigued by it. But I like how Kevin Gage, who's often was regulated to playing psychos, is in a good guy role for once. Uh, the cast he's was banged Snyder up. from Twisted Sister. Right. <laughs> he wrote the damn thing. Child. Yeah. The he's not going to take it. And unlike all these other 
hard rock zombie movies, it's actually coherent uh, as a movie. No, seriously, all those other zombie and rock and roll movies is like make no sense. Even the Alice Cooper one, where he's like his dog, do- he gets killed by like a monster dog or whatever the fuck. <laughs> And it's yeah. like that one makes no sense at all, but it's hysterical. Well, Skipper just likes to have fun. That's okay. Right. And this one is at least tolerable. I don't know if some producer came in and said, you know, hey, I'm going to cut down some of the excessive detail. Uh, or if, I don't know, <laughs> uh, this guy was in his right mind. But it could have used a little more shock value. I like how Robert Lasardo, who I met at a convention years ago, the the bald guy from Nip Tuck and CSI Miami, who's <laughs> always playing psycho and cartel guy in every movie. Uh, he, he's there as like one of those cultists and he says something about the killer or something. He's like, yeah, he's something else. <laughs> it was interesting seeing him in an unusual role because he almost always was just like psychopath number five, you know, so. Wasn't Robert Blind uh, in this too? Yes, he plays the, he and his wife are part of the cults that decide to try and hang the guy and then they fail yeah, miserably right. and get killed and you don't really feel sorry for him. But it's an interesting twist. I... It's a gross movie, but I like that it doesn't overdo its grossness, if that makes sense. So, yeah. I, I, it left me a little underwhelmed, but it may just be because, you know, I saw it when it came out. Um, a friend was really excited about it, so we saw it, and I was kind of like, hmm, not what I was expecting, but I wouldn't <laughs> say it was, I wouldn't say it's a bad movie, but it does have a following. It definitely has a following. I can totally see the cult following after yesterday, but like you say, it could have been a little something more. It was missing something. I don't know what it was. Yeah, I was I was expecting just something more. Like I said, it's not the worst movie I've ever seen. It's not even a bad movie. But it's just not, it's not like, I don't know. I can totally see why Lionsgate kind of responded to the video rentals of this and just said, okay, that's why we're going to do movies like Saw and, you know, other crazy stuff. But it doesn't really go to torture porn level, but it doesn't, it well, does yeah, kind of have a safe. body mod stuff, you know, but it Yeah, it has like... gross. Right, it doesn't have people getting their eyes ripped out or horseshit yeah. like that. Yeah. But at the same time, it could have, well, yeah. <laughs> have a reason for it, then <laughs> forgive you. But um, yeah, I, I just thought it was worth a watch, and I can totally see why it's a cult movie. But yeah, it's going to yeah. take five more rewatches before I have an actual rating for it. So It's probably one I need to go back and rewatch. I haven't, like I said, I haven't seen it since it came out. You're right, um, 98 was a crazy year. <laughs> Everyone, it sure was. Everyone was doing every kind of formula that year, just like 96, 97, to where there was like to create two... the next big thing, really, in horror. Pretty much. It was like... It was everyone, a, in well, between. Well, died out by then, so they were looking to move on and find some new genre. And... Yeah. Yeah. Something else to do. Yeah. That's it. That's it. All right. Well, <laughs> nice choice. Um, Sean Smith. All right. Well, like everybody else, I've got a couple. Um so... <gasps> You I'm get gonna pick one. one. I'm gonna pick one, and then we can touch upon the others. Play later. Russian roulette with the choices, right? And I there's not a lot to uh, wax philosophical on with this one. <laughs> um, you guys ever seen Street Trash? I've heard of it. Jonathan Demme's favorite uh, movie. Oh, I, I virtually lived it. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, I have been stuck in Penn Station overnight a couple of times. You know, you see some sights. Oh yeah. yeah. I, I could attest to that. I've been to Penn Station quite a few times, and I could attest to that. That is very From what I, I've seen of this film, I, I honestly just, at first glance, I was like, oh, it's a trauma film. Yeah, yeah. virtually, and, virtually. So it's funny because I, I actually did a little digging on this because I had initially thought that a long time ago when I first saw this. <laughs> 
and the makeup effects artist, this is the movie she did right after Toxic Avenger. And so I think that it makes sense. It kind of makes sense that, that you get that feel. But I mean, <laughs> the thing about this movie is it is just it is like the holy grail of trash. <laughs> over over trauma? I mean in its own in its own right. Is it more watchable than the average trauma film? Um, well, I, I would say yes, it's got better production values. Yeah, okay. yeah, <laughs> absolutely. Because so, I was so, watching Bloodhook with Jeff Mallet and I could barely stand that one. So Yeah. The the camera work in this movie is actually really fucking good. The director, uh Jim Miro is actually a, a very successful cinematographer now. But, you know, I mean, when he went on to do uh, Maniac Cop, Terminator 2, Field of Dreams. Uh, like, his credentials for cinematography is outrageous. Um, oh, okay, that guy. I, that's why it sounds weird. Okay. But he, uh, you know, the thing about this movie, it's a comedy. What got me, what pulled me into it was, like, the multicolored ooze. Right, um, <laughs> it's just like the the effects in this movie are just and a fly right? Yeah, and you know, there's murder, necrophilia, gang rape, <laughs> penis no. keep away. I mean, I, I will honestly say it's got one of the more, you know, I'm the type where rape is kind of a taboo topic, even in horror for me, and yeah. this has this has one of the more disturbing rape scenes in any like horror exploitation movie i've ever seen yeah yeah it's, yeah it's definitely i'm not i'm not a, a fan of that kind of yeah yeah so you're not selling me on this movie why why do people seek but, out this you know, movie? you know well as as joe bob briggs said when he showed it on his last season of the last drive-in it's one of those movies you watch it and you feel the slime just coming out of your pores yeah okay exactly so it's a movie you want to torture yourself with <laughs> also cameron cameron cameron, cameron, cameron. Cameron, the the writer of it was uh Roy Frums, as you know, who's uh the one of the writers on uh the substitute movies. <laughs> so he he's I, basically I, always been over the top all his life. <laughs> right. Yeah. Uh, I I mentioned I mentioned that because me me and our uh Cameron uh, collaborated on the article um talking about the substitute movies. So I had to point that out to Cameron. So, like, you know, why should I see this movie? It was written by the substitute guy. I don't know, man. That's a rough sell. That's a really rough sell. You know what I mean? This doesn't sound fun, and those are just stupid fun. So, I mean, okay. Yeah, no, but, no, no, but yeah, but uh, like, other than other than uh, the the rape scene, like, it, it is a fun movie. There's a there's, there's a there's a great scene where. Uh, you're tossing a severed dick around. Yeah. Oh my god. Yeah. What the keep fuck? Away. I, I actually know about that, and I haven't really seen the movie. I've just seen a little slice of it. Okay. Yeah. I showed her that in the beginning the guy that that melts on the toilet and flushes himself oh down my. the toilet <laughs> after sipping some viper. I saw I that. Like, it was and that's why I was like, "Is this a trauma film?" Because it's like it something thirty bucks. It was thirty bucks at like Target about three years ago. It was like Shout Scream Factory or something, and I was like, I don't know, that's that's a lot for a movie that I'm not sure if it's actually good. <laughs> <laughs> it's fun. It's fun. Yeah. It's fun. Okay. Well. Except for rape. Rape's yeah. never fun. Yeah. Not that it I sounds like rape. a fun movie yeah. that you'd fast forward for the unpleasant parts, but that's going to be hard to do because there's like lots of unpleasantness everywhere. But as as a resident of the Northeast who did have some trips into the New York City of the 1980s. It's 
Maybe. Frighteningly accurate, you know. Mm. Times Square in the 80s. You go to Times Square today, it's international theme park land, you know. All the lights, all the signs, all the advertising. In in the 80s, it was the wasteland. Mm -hmm. So this is a metaphor, is what you're saying for the Yeah. Yeah. I I mean, there were murders in broad daylight in Times Square, the center of New York City. Yeah. Jeez. So that that should give you an idea of just what you'd be looking at in a movie like this mm. from that time period. Yeah, that that place was a fucking war zone. Were these filmmakers on drugs when they did this? In addition to those awful experiences they saw, wouldn't be surprised. Yeah, okay. maybe. <laughs> Man. So moving right along. It's a... Okay. So that <laughs> nothing is over. Me. Over. <laughs> No, I I was torn between two as well, and I decided previous to the show to pick the more recent painful movie instead of the painful movie I wasn't ready to rewatch again. <laughs> so, um, now I'm going to blame one of my favorite bands for my viewing of this film, and oh. that would be Misfits. They have this oh, great Lord. song because a lot of their uh, songs are you know schlocky horror film that they did songs about and then you know they're a punk band but they had this song called blood feast and i love oh, the song and i sold rob on it i sold yeah. rob on on the song and the movie and i'm so sorry yeah. about the movie i, I don't apologize for this yeah, not of the blood yeah, beast yeah, or totally yeah, no this is I called blood blood oh, okay. feast oh, okay. it's like a, it, you know Yes, Candy, you definitely owe me an apology for making me watch that putrid <laughs> piece of shit. I, okay, I did not make you. I That's did. A rarity. I gotta yeah. tell you, I, I dared him. I didn't make him. No, see, see, she told me to listen to the song first. She was like, oh, yeah, and the song is amazing. And then, like, oh, yeah, that the, they, you know, it's based on this movie, and I'm watching it now, and you should watch it. I'm like, okay. That's like, not how I said that, fuck? sir. I said, I said, I said, this movie is so awful. I dared you guys to watch it, and he took up the dare. So he's watching it 30 minutes behind us. So I start watching Blood Feast, and I'm watching it with Joe Bob, which thank God I did because yeah. I don't know how I would have made it through this film. Now it was done by uh, Herschel Gordon Lewis, who is yes. known as the Godfather <laughs> of Gore, and. Um, that's also a title that Lucio Fulci has, so I don't really know yeah, who's the absolutely. real Godfather of Gore, but um, they're both called that. And this is the first, and what I found out is the Blood Trilogy. I did not know the there were a few more films considered in this. Um, Blood Feast is in 1963. It's in very vivid color. Mm-hmm. And like I said, I watched it uh, with Joe Bob on um, one of his last drive-in things on Shutter. Like I said, thankful for Joe Bob because he saved me. I was just pleased to put Joe Bob back on. I didn't have that luxury. I watched it on Tubi, so I had no Joe Bob. Oh, so I was my God. I didn't know that. Oh, that explains to you how I got it. Dirt cheap. <laughs> okay, because Joe, no Joe Bob was holding my hand through this. Okay, mm-hmm. so this movie, I mean, um, right off the bat, it's got boobs. And this is 1963. You didn't see naked breasts. Or as Joe Bob says, naked breasts. Um, so right up to, you know, not enough for a bad movie. And have some woman story. gets killed. She's, you know, you just see breasts. And so that's shocking enough for 1963. Okay. And I think this is two years after breakfast at Tiffany's. Okay. You're watching this film and you know, it's supposed to be the first, it's considered the first gore film. And I was like, well, I got to mm-hmm. see this. 
but I'm just like, does it get better? And right off the bat, I said to Sean, I said, this gives me a Manos feel. Oh, yeah. no. No, oh, no yeah. it, it does. It has oh. a very Manos feel. But the yes. thing is, I got, and I'm going to say this, and Cameron, you're going to have to hold your tongue for a sec. I don't <laughs> like Manos. I really hate Manos, even That's when it's fine. That's fine. It. No, I get it. I, I feel like when when Joel says at the very beginning this this film looks like someone's last known photograph. Um, <laughs> Joel doesn't even like that. Think that episode is even the best, and yet that's the one everyone asks him about the most. So and that's what I don't understand is it's considered the most popular MSC3K episode. But whatever, we're gonna we're gonna I don't know. circle back to MSC3K in just <laughs> a second, okay? Because this does come full Damn circle it, to MSC3K. But so I was it had that kind of feel, but way worse. Oh. And, you know, you got these gore facts and, you know, they're pretty interesting for the the time period. And you got to understand that H.G. Lewis was an exploitation film maker. Right. And just just to make a buck. He was a businessman. He had side businesses with like copyright. I mean, he had money. He financed his own films. And this was just purely like to shock and just make, you know, turn a profit. And it was like, you know, big in the in the drive-in circuit. You know, they handed out vomit bags. You're going to need this when you see blood, oh. you know, kind of thing. And I mean, and you're just getting through this movie. And the acting is so abysmal. Like, mm. you just want to hurt someone. You just want to slap someone just so you'll feel something other than what you feel. I, I Friend of the show, uh, Court of Cinema PsyOps, has covered a bunch of Herschel Gordon Lewis stuff. And it, I forget what it was. Basically, this one was like basically saying that all black men who fuck white women are evil or something. And then it was mixing horror elements. Yeah. I forget the name of it. Oh, yeah. Yeah. yeah so you already know that it's covered in wrong sauce when it's like, God. yeah, I mean, and this, this Herschel might not was... have believed it, but he still is to blame for making shit like that. Oh, like, absolutely. But I mean, and, and the thing is, is, as Joe Bob would say during those blessed breaks, was, <laughs> you you know, giving you some info about, you know, he, he knew Herschel Gordon Lewis. And he said, you know, he didn't even like to talk about his movie making business stuff. You know, oh, it, it upset his wife. And, you know, and he was just kind of like, it is what it is. I don't even really care. You know, it's not that big of a deal to me. And this is before, you know, he died and, and things like that. But if you're going to do Blood Feast, go with the Misfit song and just be <laughs> like, wow, what a great song. And the beauty yes. of that is, one, it's a great song. And two, it's a punk song. So it's like two minutes long. And it's, and like I said, it's great. But I'm really actually kind of pissed off at Glenn Danzig. I want to fight him. I'm, I, 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 I got about four inches on the guy, okay? I kind of want to physically fight him because I, I was looking for this movie for years because of that song, you know? And I'm like, oh my God, I was so angry. I was so angry that I watched this fucking movie and I forced myself to finish it. And it was, it was, oh, it was deep hurting, deep hurting. <laughs> but just for, just to add a little couple things, um, the Blood Trilogy is Blood Feast, 1963, turned profit. So then he made 2000 Maniacs, which I know we've all heard of. That was in 1964. And then the, the last in the Blood Trilogy is Color Me Blood Red, which I've never seen, but I, I was interested in. But now that I've seen Blood Feast, I'm not interested in anymore. It's, right. um. Yeah, about an artist who kills people for their blood to do these artworks or in, mm. in their body parts, whatever. So there's that. And then coming, we're going to circle back to MSC3K real quick. 
this Herschel Gordon Lewis is responsible for a very famous Mystery Science Theater episode. Anyone want to take a guess? I think I know, but I'm afraid to even mention. No, the guess, name. guess. Uh, uh, I know we're Misty's. It's a horror movie. Uh, I guess. Yeah. Oh, well, I guess. Okay, so it might be horror. <laughs> okay. It wasn't uh, scary. It wasn't scary. We'll put it okay. that way. But I think it was supposed to be. Incredibly strange creatures. No, that was uh, uh what's know. his name? Uh, Dennis Steckler. Okay. Yeah, that's right. The star. Anybody was else the got a guess? Hint. It is a movie that was unfinished, and he bought the he bought the film, decided <laughs> to finish it himself, and then gave it a neat little title. Oh, uh, I need a hint. Like, what are the kind of riffs? What are the kind of host segments? Um, I'm sorry. I knew too much trivia and I'm flushed it because you can only handle so much bad. So, no, I'm just, I'm just going <laughs> to go ahead with it. I won't draw it out anymore. Okay. So he was responsible for buying an unfinished film and he finished it himself and then branded it with a neat little title. This was in 1965, the same year as. Color Me Blood Red, the end of the Blood Trilogy. It is called Monster Agogo. <laughs> so we all oh, have, yes. including the... the cast of Mystery Science Theater, who had to watch this awful, awful movie several times <laughs> in a row and, and write riffs for it <laughs> and have deep hurting. Um, yeah, he's responsible for Monster Agogo. He even came up with the really ridiculous title of Monster Agogo. Idiot control now. Oh, sorry. That's, <laughs> that's bod people. I know. <laughs> um, so, yeah, I just came back full circle to MSG3K, but all things do. It's like the circle of life. That's what I thought for you guys. So, yes, do not watch this movie. That's probably going to make you <laughs> want to watch this movie. But I'm promising you that you will you'll watch this movie and you'll be like, oh, my God, now I want to fight her. <laughs> but, yeah, but I'm yes. going to direct your violence ah. to Glenn Danzig and Misfits. I will fight you. Skip me, go okay. to him. It's his fault. It's all his fault. Okay? The end. Yeah. Let, let, let's, just, let's just put a period on this with... Uh, uh, Candy has already seen it, but uh, my one-star review of Blood Feast where I stated, <laughs> I don't care if it is the first score movie ever made. This shit sucks. Yeah. <laughs> Very succinct. Uh, yes. That is the perfect sentiment you can just put on for, that Just uh, for... It already sounds awful, but what is it worse then? Like... Just some other infamous movies, uh, like ones that didn't even fucking try. Worse than Black Sails than... Off from Hell. I yeah. have not. I can't. Well, that without because... even seeing that movie, that one sounds like the worst of all time. But uh, 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 Daniel, I was just well, I was just watching clips of uh, a clip of that on uh, uh, YouTube, and uh, I'd rather watch that than Blood Feast again. <laughs> okay, yeah, because Rob was like thirty That's minutes behind us when we were watching it because we were texting in the, in our group chat, and he was like, "What the fuck with this movie?" I'm like, <laughs> That's what I, was was. Warning, I was warning. I was warning him. I'm like, "This movie is so bad. I don't know if I'm gonna make it. I'm really concerned." I don't know if I'm going to make it without going crazy. It was like the uh, math. We're doing a, a science, you know, like the, the <laughs> math from MSC. They're gay. We're like, here's your movie. I'm like, oh, man, they got me. <laughs> the worst movie of all time. Uh, but it, but it is cold. Don't do it. Yeah, it's cold. It, it's got a big following. Herschel Gordon-Lewis, the godfather of gore. Yeah, well, mm. now after seeing this. <laughs> yeah. 
Well, like I said, direct all violence <laughs> to Glenn Danzig of Misfits. Thank you. Oh, uh, I wonder if he was high when he recommended it. Um, yeah, that, at least that's the best thing about that movie. That it inspired an awesome song. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, but there's a lot of Misfit songs that are where I like want to track back and find like these unfindable B films. God. But after Blood Feast, I don't want to anymore. I just want the songs. I, I can't. <laughs> I don't know what's wrong with Glenn Danzig, but I want no part of that. <laughs> I, I just want the music. Thank you. Right. Bye-bye. So that, that's everybody's turn. Um, just open it up. What do you got? That's what she's... Hey. <laughs> wow. Don't well, well I on. guess... Uh, I'll, I'll, throw, uh, I'll throw one out there. Um, you guys like whipped cream? Yes. <laughs> you uh, know me. I want to this. Me and the kitty cat. How about, no. How about the, the late, great Larry Cohen? 1985, oh. The Stuff. Yes, oh. classic. Uh, he goes on and stuff. on about this film. Like, this, it comes up, like, once a month. This was one of those movies that I was probably eight or nine. My dad brought home from the video store. And huh. ever since then, like, you know, my dad, you know, he's he's passed away, but when when I was a kid, he anytime we had whipped cream, he'd like fill it in his it's mouth the and then like just yeah he'd let it ooze out of his mouth and oh. it was, was kind of like an inside joke. My mom wasn't really hip to horror, so she didn't know what was going on. But oh. and it this movie has always stuck with me, and I've seen it since, and it's not as good as I remember it. But <laughs> nostalgia. Yeah, exactly. It's more of the premise that's intriguing. Than- Right. Well, you know, the thing about it is, and I, I learned this later because at eight or nine, I, I really, you know, didn't know much about, you know, movies and, and inspiration and things like that. But, you know, to learn that, you know, Larry Cohen, the purpose of this movie was, you know, he was inspired by the consumerism and corporate greed. And, you know, once I was older and I rewatched it, I could totally see it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It was the 80s, man. Yeah. Uh, I don't know, that excuse wears a little thin. I do like Larry Cohen in general. I just like how he's done different genres. Right. I mean, I've just been a loyal fan ever since I saw a phone booth. Cellular, so. Yeah. Yeah. Also, uh, my big fan of uh, his uh, Maniac Cop. Yep. Mm. Cordell. Cordell. I actually went to a a special screening of Maniac Cop 2. Oh, that had to be fun. Oh yeah, to, to to watch that the police station massacre scene on the police station <laughs> is just fucking amazing. Back when everyone was doing but that, there had it's... to be uh, an assault scene. There had to be some mutant, and then there had to be a police station <laughs> massacre. No, but uh, you know, Bill Lustig. You know, what I'm saying. I mean, Bill Lustig is a fantastic filmmaker, but that's literally like the you know. I, th- I think probably the, the best thing he's filmed in his career is Maniac Cop 2, especially that prison, um, that police station massacre scene. You know, um, yeah. in, in my opinion, Maniac Cop 2, the theme song is one of the most underrated in all of horror. Oh, yes. all those you awesome know. movies had, oh. knew how to do the synthesizer. <laughs> <laughs> I can't whistle. Yeah. Uh, just to Don't top this off, because we're coming up on one hour, I've got one I want to throw out, too. Okay. <gasps> This one's not exactly uh, obscure. It's actually relatively prominent, but it's definitely 
cult at its cultiest. I, I like to think that Hugh Grant curls up under a table sucking his thumb when he remembers this one. Uh, Layer of the White Worm. Uh, yeah. Oh. And, now, that was, was that a Bram Stoker story, if I remember um, correctly? Actually, fun thing. It was the very last novel Bram Stoker wrote in his life, and he was out of his mind on opium when he did. He was a bad addict. Yeah, that him and Poe. I idea what you're in for. <laughs> and I mean, if, if you're if you're actually got a fetish for um, men with snake penises uh, raping <sighs> crucified virgins. Oh, well, you found me out. <laughs> Cameron just sounds like he's having a miserable time. <laughs> I, I, I don't. Um, I mean, it's a lot it's, of groaning. It's, it's such I, a nice. I, it's such a I nice just don't know what movie. to get from something like that when it's just like, what? I mean, <laughs> I, I, outside of the lead actress running around in thigh highs the whole time, there is not a single redeemable thing about that flick. Uh, well, and I'm going to tell you something as a female and thigh highs. Here's the thing they don't stay up. Unless you've got a it. garter, you've got garters on. They you know, roll I mean, down. Uh, if, if you didn't know this, uh, Ralph Fiennes, when he was thinking of snakes, you know, uh, Voldemort in the Harry Potter movies, he had to wear garters. Oh. They, they had to clip his uh, cloak to his legs with garters, because otherwise he would have been tripping over himself the whole time. Wow. But, mm. um, like I said, the young Hugh Grant, I believe that might have been his first film, and uh. what a career he went on to have. I just like I would love to tie him to a chair and force him to watch this on a loop, you know. Just... Uh, that's all right. I feel like that about already... Dancing and Blood Feast, but wait a minute, I think he likes it. Wait. Crazy as this may sound, as the lover of obscure trivia that I am, uh, I can't help but love the part how they actually portray snakes as being mesmerized by music. <laughs> I don't remember anything about this movie other than it being boring. <laughs> <laughs> oh, the, the pacing is so choppy and uneven where uh, yeah. there's a lot of nothing in between, in between a few between good parts. <laughs> to be fair, Hugh Grant was already a warning that wasn't going to be any good. But I'm telling yeah. oh, <laughs> Shots fucking fired. <laughs> wow. I can watch movies he's in. I don't get the appeal. I just remember the South Park joke where they're like, Hugh Grant, blow me. <laughs> well, uh, ironically, one of the more memorable death scenes in this movie is a guy getting bit by a snake woman on his you-know-what. <laughs> you don't see it, you don't see it, but you know what she's doing. That's too much trouble, just for five seconds of comedy. Don't do it. After which she tells him, oh, you have appalling B.O. Oh, God. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> Who wrote this fucking movie? <laughs> Ram Stoker did. <laughs> I doubt that's in the actual text. Sing. Okay. Fuck it. I got two well, <laughs> Two honorable mentions. Sleazier already. Two <laughs> honorable mentions. Who's up for them? Well, it's oh, here. All right. Alien Raiders. And no, it's not a cheesy just alien invasion movie. It's more of a movie. It's best described as Dog Day Afternoon meets They Live. It'll definitely appeal to fans of either of those. It's just a fun movie where, uh, well, hell, Rob, you're a 24 fan. Have you seen this one? No. No. Uh, when 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 you said that, uh, I immediately started thinking of Space Raiders, and I was like, No, oh, no, 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 no. Never. Star Raiders. No, I would never. I would never wish a fate like that upon you. Um, so <laughs> Alien Raiders is was part of Warner Brothers' raw feed, you know, indie horror films back around 
late 2000s, early 2010s. And this has uh, Carlos Bernard, yeah, Tony Almeida from 24, uh, Patrick St. Esparrett from Six Feet Under, and Rockman Dunbar from Prison Break. So long story short, uh, these robbers who... (laughs) These robbers who aren't really robbers burst into a supermarket, take people hostage, and they believe that aliens have arrived here. And then cops go outside and they can't believe what they're hearing. And uh, I can't say anything more without spoiling it, but... It's pretty fast, and uh, the gore effects are really good, and it, it it's very professional. It doesn't look schlocky or awful, and uh, the acting is really, really good. So, it's thrown that out there. It's a hostage movie part alien invasion movie. Uh, then, uh, Undead, 2003. Has anyone seen this one? You said Undead? Yes, undead. 2003. Um, is, is, that the, is that an Australian picture? Yes, and, and that's how it was always advertised. It was like in the style of Sam Raimi and Peter Jackson. I always yeah, heard I, 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 I think I actually had that somewhere. I, I didn't mind it. it. It wasn't... Yeah, it's fine. Much, it was just fun and everything, but again, you wouldn't know that if... Daniel, stop fucking texting me those clips of that movie. Yeah. <laughs> I know what he's texting me, not... and I'm going to get him back for it. Uh, how, how can I remove I this? I shudder to imagine. Okay. Boom. Delete. There you go. Remove. <laughs> Fucking remove. Chad, well, you want. You will never be rid of me now. Fucking remove. Nope. Just, uh, you will not torture me, Jigsaw. Aw, chicken shit. Come on. Yeah, I am. Fuck it. I'm not doing fucking dolls. Yeah, but you want us to watch Hard Rock Zombies, motherfucker. <laughs> yeah, after you guys watch it, I want you, I want you yeah. all to help me dogpile on Cameron about what a piece of shit it is. I know it's a piece of shit, but it's a hysterical piece of shit. It's so, not yeah. hysterical. I promise you guys, it's not. I've seen it before. Okay, times. well, see, we that's the thing. Again, we all agree that it's a piece of shit, but it's got imagination, and it's stupid, no. and it's bad shit, and it's crazy. It's stupid and bad shit and bad and awful and torture, and but I, I don't know. Between that, that's why I said between that and Blood Feast, because that was going to be my other one, but okay, we no. are going to do an entire episode on Hard Rock Zombies. <laughs> you guys will want to wait until it's time to watch it because you will not want to watch it again. I promise. Unless you're Cameron. Okay, well, know. here's the thing. Let bygones be bygones. We all got our favorite bad movies, but I don't see how anyone can be a fan of all the other campy movies and just not just see how this is just hysterical. Just, I think this is where Tarantino got inspired for his version of Hitler and Glorious Bastards. I really think. Mm-hmm. I mean, you got to love a movie where Hitler gets killed by zombies anyway. I mean, come on. Fuck you, Hitler. But <laughs> why, why did Hitler need to be in this movie? That's, they were all on acid. That's the thing. I mean, making sense of it is pointless. It, it's stupid. I, I just guffawed at it endlessly. I was like, this can't be real. Oh, my God. This is not real. Oh, my fucking God. This is stupid. Yeah, we will touch on that later. But long story short, we got to. I'm going to use that okay. forever so, now. Long so go story ahead and... short. short. Okay, Especially so, on this episode. Long story short, we got to close up. So okay. I'm going to like make the rounds and let everybody do their plugs. Of course. So, Daniel? Well, uh, mentioning uh, the stuff, actually, I did an interview with the homicidal homemaker, who is awesome. It's up on House of Tortured Souls right now. Because really? she awesome. actually did... She did a cheesecake recipe inspired by the stuff. Yes. <laughs> yes. And I've got some more videos coming from my YouTube channel, The Nightmare Nerd. Check them out. Uh, as always, eat, drink, and be scary. Wonderful. Yeah. yeah there has to be a motherfucker after we plug ourselves. <laughs> okay, Karen. 
All right. I am always busy at the Jacked Up Review Show. I just finished a free-hour talk with the direct-to-video connoisseur on the top 10 direct-to-video legends. We're going to definitely get everyone organized and host the first annual Video On Demand Awards. Yay! <laughs> we give various awards <laughs> just for just, just a big dose of sarcasm. We'll give some legit good ones, like Best Director will go to Keanu Waxman, without a doubt. Uh, I'm still undecided on Best Screen Queen. I'm going to need some help. Uh, I can uh, and uh, we'll, we'll definitely nominate the Leprechaun for Best Directed Video Horror Franchise Villain. Um, Absolutely. The, nominate it. I don't know about when. We're going to have to vote. Well, that's just it. We're going to have to find some other horror villain who was in more than one movie who was awesome. Uh, uh, I can't think of a few. We'll plunge to the depths. Oh, my God. I can recently be seen interviewing Pop Horror and Embalmer's filmmaker, Rebecca Reinhardt. She was a delight to talk about, especially when she talked about how her, her mentor was Tim Ritter of Truth or Dare fame. We're talking cool. ancient just horror. So movie in the making i look forward to her next few movies all right okay rob uh as always you can find me as the cinema drunkie on facebook uh instagram and youtube you can find me as the cinema drunkie on twitter uh you can find my numerous writings on actionflex.com ultimate action movies.com house of torture souls.com uh and as well as um where we're gearing up to, to to put it out now um my podcast coming up with my best friend, Ricardo Page. Uh, Big Peter Brooklyn Bros. On the Bridge, a Star Trek podcast coming soon. Where, uh, yeah, he, he's going through the, the first season now to re-familiarize himself with the, the, the season. I, I don't have to do such things because um, I watch uh, Star Trek semi-frequently. So, <laughs> not to Are throw him under the yeah, bus, thanks. but... Uh, <laughs> I've also recently but, uh, invited Rob to do an episode where we cast a new Star Trek show. Yes, 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 and I cannot I'm wait to do that. But, uh, and, yes, yes, that that's that is going to be an awesome episode. So yeah, um, look out for that coming soon. Uh, we're gearing up, and it's going to be a uh, fun and and uh, hopefully uh, exciting show. Excellent, Sean Smith. You can find me on Twitter at Sean of the Dead. Stay safe. Wash your goddamn hands. <laughs> yes, that please. is important to remember. Oh, God. Yes. Okay, I guess that leaves me. Obviously, um, you can find me here on The House That Screams every week. I am frequently a guest on Cameron's Jacked Up Review Show podcast. Wipe the floor with your opinions. <laughs> <laughs> um, Awful. You can find my horror blog posts on candycoatedhorror.wordpress.com. I am easily contacted through Twitter at house underscore screams. And that's what I've got for you. That's our show tonight. Well, thank you for having us. I love having you guys. And I'm looking forward to foreign horror next week. Oh, yeah. Oh, yay. Yeah, brother. All right, everybody, have a spooky night and. Super fun. Have a good night. Take back the town. Good night, guys. Zombies to kill.